At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hope day. Welcome aboard the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Hope everyone is having a spectacular football day. Another power pack show for you here. I mean, the news in football never rests, does it, right? I mean, I, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. People always say this is like the downtime of football. It's not. This is where NFL teams, this is where really even college football teams, they get their rosters together. They know the people that they're going to go to battle with, but now they're figuring out who's going to be the depth on the team. Maybe you want to make an additional move. Maybe you want to take a look at some of the players that are on someone else's roster that potentially could be cut or waived. So this is a really important time right now for many teams. So Pack Show, as I said, the voice and the legendary voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, will join us. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. He's doing it live from training camp there in Green Bay. We will talk to him and get to the skinny of what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he's not showed up for the minicamp. I don't think anyone really ever thought he was ever going to show up for the minicamp, but we will talk to Wayne Larravee, get his spin on what's next for the Green Bay Packers. We'll do that. Also, some Jordan Love uh noise that came out of camp today. We're going to hit on that here in a second. Also, Houston Nutt, the three-time Southeastern Conference Coach of the Year. How can Bama be the number one team in the country? And they've lost so many guys. Very simple. Saban's the greatest recruiter in the history of college football. Look at the results. You know, it's no longer a conversation that you talk about with Nick Saban on being the greatest college football coach. He is. And Alabama just gave him a contract extension. He's dear friends with Nick. We will talk with him. This is going to take Nick into his 77th year of his life. Not going to do anything when it comes to the National Football League. He's turned himself into basically what Coach Krzyzewski did at Duke. Is that, you know, he had numerous opportunities. And Nick did dabble a little bit in the NFL with the Dolphin gig. But it was never anything after that ever again. Nick is a college coach. There's guys that are NFL coaches that could never coach at the college ranks. You think many of those coaches that are in the National Football League could translate into, you know, doing the things that they did and the practices and the way that they go about business and the way they talk to men versus talking to kids could make that transition? What Pete Carroll did going from the NFL to the college ranks and then back to the NFL is unprecedented. Jimmy Johnson was a college coach forever. Then he made that leap 
to the Dallas Cowboys, and that was that transition. Most coaches have that transition from the college game to the pros. You don't usually go pros, college, and then back to the pros. I mean, what Pete Carroll did has carved out himself a Hall of Fame career. So we will talk with our friend Houston Nutt, who works also with CBS Sports. All right, let's get into the headline story of the day. And by the way, just so everyone knows, we just got this news as we were coming on the air on Deshaun Watson. It looks like now Deshaun Watson and his people are saying that they want to play in Denver and that the Houston Texans are in conversation with the Denver Broncos on potentially moving the quarterback. What does this mean? Obviously, Rusty Harden, his attorney, and Bud, Tony Busby, who represents the clients, it looks like they're making these payments and it looks like they're making these cases go away single-handedly. You don't hear any noise coming out of the NFL Players Association. So obviously things must be going. And there's no way the NFLPA is not going to be involved in this. Remember, they got to protect the rights of the players. And so there's no way that D. Smith and his guys are not involved in this process as this gets resolved. It's going to be resolved. The question will be, what's going to be the resolution when it comes between the Texans and Deshaun Watson? In this case, unlike the Aaron Rodgers case in Green Bay, isn't it in the best interest of both parties' part, even though Deshaun Watson is a spectacular talent, even though he is one of the top quarterbacks under the age of 30? Isn't it time, though, that you kind of like, you know, start over again. You got a brand new coach at David Culley coming in. You've got a new vision, so to speak, with the new direction of the organization. And isn't it time? And now look, there's no doubt. You don't want to get rid of the player. The player doesn't want to play for you. He's made it very clear that he'll never put on a Houston Texans uniform again. And he's done that publicly. And now he's even going publicly saying that he would like to play in Denver and that he would like to be a member of the Denver Broncos. That's what's being reported now by many people that I trust out of the Houston area that hey, his first choice right now is to go to the Denver Broncos. So that's the latest on that. How do I, how do I see that working out? There's only one way that this can work out when you have a player that's got some dents in the fender and I mean all of these character issues now that have come out about Deshaun Watson, there is only one way that you can move this player, and there's only few teams that could absorb the punishment of what the public perception is going to be about Deshaun Watson and these cases is that you have to send him to a place that's got a centerpiece figure like John Elway. Remember something, when John Elway took Tim Tebow out of the starting lineup and then went out and ended up getting Peyton Manning, as much as all the Tebow lovers in Denver were saying that we love Tim, Tim's our guy, nobody questioned it when they ended up going out and getting Peyton Manning. Let's, forget, let's not forget something here on Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning had a neck injury. Remember he had to go overseas to have that procedure done? Nobody knew if that guy could even take a hit. What if he took a hit in the exhibition season and all of a sudden it came up where he couldn't play again? Doctors in Indianapolis were telling the Ursays, hey, you know what? 
there's a chance that if he gets hit in a game, that he may not ever walk again. So that was a concern for the Colts. And plus, obviously, Andrew Luck was out there. And if they were able to get him, which they ended up getting him from Stanford, that was just going to be a win-win scenario for them. That's why they moved off of Peyton Manning. Hey, and for the record, you ever notice how Peyton Manning, he seems he seems to be more of a fan of the Denver Broncos than how that whole divorce ended in Indianapolis. You know, I see him. He still has a place in Denver. He loves the Broncos. He does a lot of promotional stuff for the Broncos. I don't see him doing anything for the Colts. So that relationship did not end well when they just moved off of him like that. You don't think Peyton wanted to come back and maybe potentially end his career in Indianapolis? You know, everybody always has that dream. They want to, you know, end it where they started. And he had to go to Denver, got himself another Super Bowl championship, which was important to his resume. But he has a fondness for John Elway and the Denver Broncos. I think that's going to play a factor here in Deshaun because what is the one thing that John Elway is going to do in Denver? He's going to put a football team around him. You know, you got a guy like Deshaun Watson. And get this, when the public comments are going to be made, okay, John Elway is going to be there to deflect him. He's going to be basically the shield that when he rolls into Denver, well, what about his character? John Elway's going to go, I vouch for it. Every Bronco fan is going to go, okay, no problem. Okay, John says he's cool. He's cool with us. You know how fans get. Guy gives the wave of endorsement to a player. Next thing you know, oh, okay, you know what? The face of the franchise, which will always be John Elway. You know, Deshaun Watson, if he ends up going to Denver, that could just be something where, get this, he just went to Denver like Peyton, but the face of that franchise, just like in Miami, will always be Dan Marino. And in Denver, it will be John Elway. Now, that also does this, too, if you're Aaron Rodgers. You're sitting there watching this, and you're hearing this. Wow. Okay. You know, okay. Well, that's kind of where I wanted to potentially land. I reported yesterday that the New Orleans Saints have been in contact with the Green Bay Packers. That's the only football team, in my opinion, that's comparable offensively with the amount of weapons they have. And on the other side of the football, let's not kid ourselves. The Saints defense is better than the Packer defense. And if you put Aaron Rodgers on that Saints team, are they winning the Super Bowl? I'll tell you what, Alvin Kamara, Thomas, that's a damn good-looking offense, man. That is an insane-looking offense, is it not? Then combine that with a better defense, or how about this? Right in the same room with the Buccaneer defense, you got to play – how about Rodgers and Brady have to play against each other twice a year? That would be incredible. And he's 37, so that Saints team for the next four years potentially could be the top team in the NFC if you put Aaron Rodgers on that offense. Could it be something like Miami? I think Miami and Carolina are also the other two teams that are in play. I mean, let's take a look at Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold going to Carolina. Would you move off of Sam Darnold for Deshaun Watson or – Aaron Rodgers, of course you would. In Miami, would you move off a tug of Viola over Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson? Of course you would. 
and Denver, are you going to move off of Teddy Bridgewater? Right? I mean, and Drew Locke, are you crazy? Of course I'm going to move off those two guys. Hell, there's teams all over the NFL. There's very few teams, Kansas City, Seattle, maybe Tampa, right, that you're not going to move off of the current quarterback that you have in the building right now for Aaron Rodgers or for the potential of getting Deshaun Watson. You don't think the Steelers would move off of Ben Roethlisberger right now the way he performed at the end of the year last year? And you don't think they'd move off him for Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson? We can go down the list, man. New England could take both those guys or one or the other. The Giants would move off of Daniel Jones. You don't think the Eagles would move off of Jalen Hurts for Aaron Rodgers or for Deshaun Watson? You know how he's got to be kicking tires right now. You know he looks at that situation and goes like this. Because you know what the number one thing is being said about Jalen Hurts? You know, we've heard a couple people. Peter King likes him. Phil, uh, Phil Sims' kid, Chris Sims, hates him. Okay? But you know what you keep hearing? I don't know. It's still an incomplete. So you really can't castrate the kid yet on whether or not he could be an NFL football player because you really don't know because you're getting that kind of result. You got people on both sides ping-ponging on whether – well, get this. You're not ping-ponging anything with Jalen Hurts, okay? I mean, with uh, Aaron Rodgers and with Deshaun Watson. You're not ping-ponging any of that stuff. How many GMs do you think are on the horn right now and how many GMs do you think these guys have been uh, fielding phone calls, Mark Murphy and the general manager of the Packers, or now also the Deshaun Watson? I'm telling you, I think this stuff, because it's been so quiet, I think they're getting all these cases, all 22 of these cases. I think they're getting re- getting them resolved. So next five weeks, six weeks here, is going to maybe change the face of the direction of the 2021 season. And I say this to you, we already know the Buccaneers are going to be one of the four. Like if we had to pick four teams right now, who would your final four teams be on both the NFC and AFC side? Would the Buccaneers be in one of those conversations? Yes. Would the Chiefs be on the AFC side? Yes. After that, you would go like this, right? Packers again. Is there any... So you think that you think the Rams have upgraded enough with Deshaun Jackson and with Matthew Stafford to be able to contend and take out the Packers or the Buccaneers? I don't know yet. Now, they do have Jalen Ramsey in the backfield, and they do have Aaron Donald up front. You got two of the premier players at their positions. You got a lockdown corner and Jalen Ramsey, and you got the best defensive player on the planet right now in Aaron Donald. And you got a pretty good play caller. Has the 49ers done anything? See, here's the, here's the outlier with the 49ers. They have a Super Bowl roster and an NFC Championship uh, appearance roster. But you just keep doing this. Well, we're going to keep flipping coins here on whether or not we really think that Jimmy Garoppolo can make it through, you know, half the year. This guy's missed 53% of his football games. I keep reiterating that number because it's important. You can't put a Super Bowl game plan together or you can't put a roster together when you you, you don't know whether or not the guy's going to go to work. That'd be like five days of work. You're, you're missing like two and a half days. And you think you could be productive like that as a sales guy when you got your sales guy out two and a half days a week? That's not going to happen, man. And anything you do, 
You could be the greatest talent on the planet. Greatest talent on the planet. Availability is part of the evaluation. If you're not available, I don't care how great you are. You're in the tub and you're always hurt. Well, then guess what? You're useless to me. How many times have we seen superstar athletes, okay? And they're just not healthy. Look, 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 at, look at the way Anthony Davis played for the Lakers. Anthony Davis last year benefited from COVID. And I say that with respect to people that were diagnosed with the affliction and went through the pandemic. I, I, I really do. I'm making this as a sports analogy here. And that is that they shut that season down for three months, dude. That guy didn't have to do anything. He showed up in a RoboCop outfit in Orlando, and they went on and they ended up winning an NBA championship. LeBron would have broke down the same way he broke down. Do you know LeBron James has been injured two of the last three years? Father Time's jumping on that dude's back right now, man. And you're starting to see the effects of it. This guy had a brilliant run. Now he's banged up all the time. That guy can't play 80-some-odd games anymore. Availability, man. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo goes through. We always do this when we say this about the 49er quarterback. Guy's great. Guy's fantastic. What a great football player. Is he healthy this week? No. Okay. Well, geez, man. I got to start that dude Mullen again? Who's that? They had The reason they went and got Trey Lance. So, again, the 49er roster is right in that room. But we really have right now probably three teams that we could circle and go, yeah, they'll make it to the conference championship games again. Okay? Buccaneers, Packers, depending on what Aaron does. Like, who's even close to the Packers in the NFC? A healthy Garoppolo 49ers? Yeah. Seattle? I don't know. You think they got a good enough running game? You know, I always say this about that team. Really? I don't know. There's always seemingly something wrong with them when once they get into the red zone and they're in postseason play, they can't hit the broad side of a barn or they can't make a play in the red zone because they don't have a running attack, a true running attack. Ever since beast mode, Marshawn Lynch left that organization. They've not been able to replace that guy running the football. And it's been a direct result of the fact that when you watch Russell Wilson play late in the season, that they figure it out. These defensive coordinators today, they figure that out. What's a team's weakness? What can't they do? And they attack that. I tell people this constantly about how Belichick goes about putting a game plan together. Belichick doesn't look at what he's best at. That's an idiotic, old-school way of coaching. Nobody does that. What they do now is they'll find the guy on the football field that maybe he's a free agent. Maybe he's a rookie. Maybe he doesn't know exactly what's being asked of him inside the complex scheme of that defense or offense. And do you know what they do? They attack that guy. Could be a defensive tackle. Could be an end. Could be a corner. That's why some players, you go like this, that guy really played great. The next week, Belichick had him deactivated. Why? Because he doesn't fit the scheme of what they're going to use. That's why they are like a chameleon. That's what made Bill so great. Not what, not that he wasn't only the greatest in-game adjuster, but the fact that he was also a game plan adjuster because he would look at a particular football team and go, all right, we need these personnel settings here. Can you imagine doing that in Philadelphia with Howie Roseman? Howie Roseman's going to give you the roster you got to use. You think that would go over or fly over at all in New England? That's not going to fly in New England, man. 
In New England, Bill goes, this is what I need this week. Here's the chess pieces I'm going to go into a game on Sunday with. And that's how they attack. They go into that particular arena with the, with the pawn pieces that they need. That's the way to do it. That's why that is so incredible what they were able to do when they had a quarterback like, like um, Tom Brady in New England. It all worked hand in hand. My point is, though, is there's very few teams in the NFL right now that really have a perfect team. The Bucs are the closest, okay? I would say this. The Bucs had a weakness. This would be me if I'm a D coordinator. I would look at the Bucs O-line. I think the Buccaneer O-line got better because Brady got better. He understood. You see, when you're a seven-step drop back, quarterback like Tom Brady is, okay, and you got a brand-new offensive line in front of you, those guys don't know where you are sometimes, okay? I mean, look, when you got a guy like Lamar Jackson behind you and you're, you're pass probing, okay, and you're blocking the guy in front of you, you know he's a mobile guy, right? And he wants to get out in the perimeter. So you have no idea where he is. That's why you give up a lot of sacks in Seattle too. See, those, those sacks and hits in Seattle are a lot to do also with Wilson moving around. When you're Brady and you're back and you're a seven-step guy, dude, you're there. It's easy to pass protect. And when they had Jameis Winston the year previous, Jameis floated around in the pocket like this. And the guys didn't know. That's why they gave up a boatload of sacks. But when you have Tom Brady, Tom's going to be stout in the pocket. Brady's going to be back in that pocket. And he's going to have tremendous courage. You know, one of the things that helped out Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, I thought in the second half of the season last year was he showed more mental toughness and he, he floated more sideways instead of moving up vertically to try to get yardage, to try to create passing lanes. And he showed courage, like I said. That's the one thing you have to have if you're a quarterback in today's NFL. You've got to have courage. You see a lot of these guys, as soon as they feel pressure, what do they do? They take off. That is the most nauseating thing that you could possibly have for an offensive line is a guy who panics in the pocket and gets out on the perimeter because you don't know where you're blocking when you're an O-lineman. Hence, that's why you give up the hits, and that's why you give up the sacks. So make no mistake about it, okay? There's teams out there that are close to the Bucs, but not quite the Bucs. And I would say the Bucco line has gotten better, okay? I would say it has gotten better. And it's gotten better because Brady's gotten better. All right. There were a lot of conversations going around the minicamp for the Green Bay Packers. And this, this story is so un-Green Bay because they don't like to do their business in public. We're going to talk to the legendary voice of the Green Bay Packers, our friend Wayne Larravee, live from Green Bay and live from training camp. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. 
and keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Silio. We're going to try to effort our friend Wayne Larravee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers here in a sec, and get his spin on what's going on in Green Bay. Now, some of the teammates have come out and said yesterday that they have Aaron Rodgers back. Now, that's pretty much what you're going to get from a lot of the players inside the locker room. And by the way, even the ones that may be a little suspect on the situation are still going to back their quarterback. Players are going to back... Players, they may go in private and say something, okay? But publicly, everyone is going to pretty much like, hey, he's negotiating his contract or he's in a holdout right now. You're always going to get the player inside the locker room, especially when you start to forge these relationships like many of these players do over the years. You're always going to get the guys back. And if you have a problem with them, 
what you traditionally will do is, you know, go out, grab a beer. You'll say something to each other and you'll go, hey, man, I hope that, you know, we're going to be laser focused going into the 2021 season because, you know, we're right there. We were just a few bad plays away on our end and maybe some coaching issues on, you know, how we went about that NFC championship game where they're close. I mean, the Packers are close, folks. Would we not agree? that even with the Kansas City Chiefs in the conversation, maybe Green Bay's the second-best team in the NFL. And, and, and as I said, they're not far away. Okay? They're not far away. The Green Bay Packers, my friends, are not far away from punching their ticket to Los Angeles this coming year and going to the Super Bowl. And one of my favorite people on the planet is Wayne Larravee. And he probably heard that, and he probably is like, that's music to my ears. How you doing, Wayne? Good, Dan. Uh, you say that about all your guests, though. <laughs> <laughs> I do. All of you guys are fantastic. But, hey, Wayne, am I right, though? I mean, you know, if you put everything in context right now, and let's just put the story aside here with Aaron. Bottom line is this Packer team is a couple bad plays in last year's NFC Championship game, maybe a coaching decision away from going to the Super Bowl and the way Kansas City played. Aaron Rodgers could be sitting here and having a different narrative this year that this team is this close, isn't it? Well, you know, Dan, I, I was at practice this morning. Uh, the Packers are in the middle of their mandatory minicamp. Um, and, you know, talking to my counterpart, Larry McCarron, who's done the analysis work on our broadcast for over 20 years now, going on 25. And the thing that, that we kind of surmised was if you look at position rooms, position groups, the Packers have a lot of good position groups on this football team. They're pretty well built. Um, now you put an MVP quarterback on top of that, uh, and you know they're really in good shape. They're really a team that absolutely can contend for the Super Bowl championship. But um, you know the caveat is getting that quarterback back into camp. I think the Packers got better in their offseason acquisitions. Um, you know, Devondre Campbell is a guy they just brought on an experienced inside linebacker. They've got a lot of youth at that position. They know they need to be better there. But you look at the Packers up and down, and they have a roster that's, in this day and age of NFL football, is fairly loaded. How about this, Wayne? Here, you know, having played against the Packers and, you know, my uncle playing against the Packers, Andy Robustelli, and just knowing how you guys do business, are you kind of shocked that this thing has been so public because that doesn't seem like the Packer way. Yeah, no. And, you know, it's interesting. That's a great question because I don't know if where this all came from. Um, you know, I know the Packers would not have leaked anything like that. Um, and I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers uh, had anything to do with that. It's my impression that neither the Packers or Aaron Rodgers got this out into the open, but some reporting got it out into the open and now everybody's kind of reacting to it. So I, I don't think that Rodgers leaked it at all. I, I know Aaron well enough to know his character. He's not like that, doesn't like to do these types of things out in the open. And I know for a fact there's no reason why the Packers uh, would ever want to have this out in the open at all. Is it my impression also that, you know, every time I hear one of Aaron Rodgers' friends, either on the team or, you know, a, a retired player, this can be resolved. This can be fixed. This relationship is not fractured to the point where we can't get back again and we can't get back into our marriage. You know, just like any marriage, Wayne, you go through bumps and bruises. You know, if you want the relationship to work, 
you make it work. I've been married to my wife for 33 years, and I can promise you, there's been some speed bumps in that baby. And uh, hey, we work it out. Is this thing fixable? Well, you know, yeah, we all work out those uh, marriage situations, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, we all have them at times. Uh, if we don't have them, then our spouses certainly do. That's for sure. Um, you know, here's the here's the situation. The, the longer you look at this thing, Dan, if it was an easy fix, it would have been done by now. And it would have been done before the story ever hit um, public consumption. So I, I, I don't quite know. I, it, I don't believe it's about money. I don't believe it's about any one issue. Um, but I, I honestly can tell you, I don't know because I haven't had a chance to talk to Aaron. And, you know, the Packers are mum on this topic. Um, I don't know specifically what's it what it's about, and people have hinted it. Well, it could be this, could be more money, could be all this. The general manager, it could be the draft choice, and you know, I heard James Jones, who talks to uh, Aaron Rodgers on a regular basis, the former wide receiver, say today, it's not any of those things. Maybe a compilation of a lot of things, but you know, no one thing is going to get this done. Hey, if it was a money deal, that would have been done a long time ago, um, and it's apparently not. How about this, Wayne? Do, do you think Brady has influenced this? And follow me here where I'm going. You know, we see Russell Wilson kicking tomato cans down the street, too, telling the Seahawks, hey, look, I'm tired of getting hit. I'm the most hit quarterback since I've been in the league. What do they do? They go out and they fix the O-line. You know, he wants another weapon on the other side of DK Metcalf. What do they do? They get in the sweepstakes for Julio Jones. You know, Brady's like, hey, here's my Christmas list, Jason Light, the GM of the Bucks. I want AB. I want Gronk. I want this. I want everybody back. I'll even help get money back. You think that's kind of what's influenced this a little bit here that Aaron wants? I'm not saying that he has to be involved in draft picks, but maybe a little bit more involved in direction of the team. You know, um, I honestly think that could possibly be part of it. Um, and maybe that's a central piece of it. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it makes sense. And uh, you're not off base. These these great players, uh, especially the quarterbacks, um, they talk a lot. And, and they watch what each one does. Um, and Brady went into Tampa, and it seemed like it was seamless. Now it wasn't. Uh, and you recall that season. They had some down points in that season, some moments of doubt, not the least of which was the second matchup with the New Orleans Saints when the Saints just blew them out of the water in Tampa. Um, but after that, they got things turned around. It took a while. Um, you know, people keep using the analogy, well, these great quarterbacks want to be like LeBron James and the NBA guys and Kevin Durant and pull two or three guys together, put their big three together and go win the championship. Football doesn't work like that. You know that. Uh, it takes more than three or four guys. It takes more than four or five or six guys. You know, an NBA, and I did NBA for 18 years with the Bulls, um, NBA basketball teams are 15 players. Well, in the NFL, you have basically 15 starters on offense when you consider the sub packages, and you have at least 15 starters on defense considering all the different packages you have involved. And that's just the start of things. Now you have special teams. You had a 53-man roster. Getting everybody on the same page, that's not easy. And a great quarterback can attract talent but not enough to win the championship on his own. Um, it takes a special mix, and they got a special mix down in, in Tampa. But if you look at the Buccaneers, and I know you look at them closely, the year before, uh, Jameis Winston throws 30 interceptions. I think they won like 
seven games. Yes. Fight that. So you you said, okay, Tom Brady's going to go in there. He's going to cut that interception total by two-thirds, and they're going to be a pretty darn good football team because they were a good football team before Brady got there. They just needed a quarterback to pull it all together, and that's what he did. Wayne, what type of relationship does Mark Murphy and Aaron Rodgers have? You know, um, to to my knowledge, prior to all this coming about, I thought they had a very fine relationship, good working relationship. Um, you know, Mark is one of the most likable people you'll you'll uh, stumble upon in sports. Um, I think he's handled the the team and the players uh, very well. He does, you know, he he understands where players are coming from because he was a player in this league, an accomplished safety with the Washington Redskins, a team captain of a Super Bowl champion and an All Pro. Um, he understands players, and I think he handles them exceptionally well. What Just yesterday, seeing him talk with uh, Devontae Adams on the sidelines, you could tell the conversation was, was back and forth and really a good conversation and an easy conversation. So I think he's, he's had, from what I could tell, a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if something's happened. Um, the first hint I had that there was a real problem um, – was back in March when I think the Packers wanted to maybe do something with Aaron's contract or whatever. And, and that's when this whole thing started hitting the fan. It seemed like, you know, I, I look at how this whole thing is playing itself out, you know, and I'm just, I'm just wondering as you go forward here, okay. You know, the relationship with Matt LaFleur, you're seeing him come out publicly more and saying, I can't imagine the green Bay Packers not having, you know, Aaron Rodgers, all the public things, but some of the things that were said, Wayne, help me out because you're around the team every single time. You know, you're around the team all the time. When I hear the stuff in the media saying, well, the general manager says, and I'm paraphrasing this, well, he's our quarterback for the time being. And uh, you hear Mark Murphy over the weekend saying that Aaron Rodgers is dividing us. And I know that he used the, I know that he used the fans as a prop over the weekend, but let me throw this at you. The players yesterday, there were a couple of the players say we got Aaron's back. What's going on between the players and Aaron Rodgers and management? Is the team divided because of this story? You know, Dan, I don't get that impression. That okay. The team is divided. I don't get that. Um, I think what Mark was alluding to is that you see in a situation like this, and we all went through this in 2008, including Mark, um, you, you see when you've got Brett Favre on one side and the organization on the other side, of course, you know, some people are going to be for the quarterback and other people are going to be, and a lot of people in, in this case seem to be many, much many that I've heard from. Um, they're all about the team. Okay. Players going to come and go. Even the greatest of the great are going to come and go. Uh, Bart Starr was here for a long time, won uh, five championships and eventually left, you know, so that that's going to happen. It happened with Brett Favre. It will eventually happen with Aaron Rodgers. It just, the fans don't want it to be now. But there's, I, I think in football, more than any other sport, certainly more than in the NBA, it's the uniform. In the end, the uniform is where your loyalty lies, not with the name on the back of the uniform. You know, a couple last questions here for you, Wayne. And I would say this about Green Bay, especially your community. You know, unlike maybe places like Philadelphia where, you know, or maybe even Miami and Denver where you fall in love with Elway and Marino and you never want to see them leave, even though their skills are diminishing. When you're in Green Bay, it's a, it's about the emblem on the helmet in Green Bay, and they've always done that. Like you said, from the greatest coaches of all time to the greatest players of all time. So no question. Let me ask you a couple questions here about Jordan Love here. 
Um, get, give me a sense, because you know what? I, Wayne, I haven't seen a lot of highlight reels of him coming out of camp. I haven't seen him even do a sit-down interview with anyone. Is that because the Packers are afraid? And I don't want to use that word afraid. Maybe, how about this, cautious of making it seem that it's his team and we're starting that transition. That's why maybe he hasn't been so visible. Is that fair? You're going to see him today. You're going to see him speak today. And you're going to see some highlights from practice today. He had a wonderful day of practice. And, Dan, it came on the heels of what the day before was a rough practice, to say the least. I'm trying to be as, uh, you know, kit gloves as I can with that. But <laughs> he struggled yesterday, it seemed like. Even a layman like me could look and see, wow, this is this kid's got a ways to go. And then today, all of a sudden you saw, okay, this is what they saw uh, when they drafted him. Um, he was throwing it. He was sharp. He was dropping it in there and long passes, doing the check down stuff he's been doing for the uh, OTAs in the minicamp. And now he's taking the uh, the game downfield a little bit more. He looked great, Dan. He really did. And he you could tell the kid felt the energy and his teammates did as well. It was an excellent day for him. After practice, they had him uh, talk with the media. Um, you know, so in that regard, it was a good day. But, you know, as as a player, as an athlete, you know, there are good days and bad days. Um, it's amazing. One day, it looks like this this kid can play quarterback, really? And the next day, it's like, oh, that's the kid they drafted. That's what they drafted out of Utah State. The kid looked really good. He's going to have ups and downs. There's no question about that. But, um, you know, there's a reason he was drafted in the first round. He has ability. Now, can he play on this level? Uh, does he have the quick twitch mentality? Can he process the information he sees in front of him, um, that's the stuff that we, we won't know until we see a game, you know, to see him in a game. And not I dare say not just in a preseason game, but in a regular season game where the defense is scheming against him. You know, Wayne, the things that you just told me are just everything that a young player goes through. It's just about reps now. It's more about the fact that, you know, you t if a guy can have that type of swing from one day where it was a very uncomfortable day for him, and you're telling me that he looks like an NFL quarterback the next day, yeah. how I process that is he just needs reps. He just yeah. needs the ability to get there with the first team guys. And, and Dan, you know, uh, again, Aaron not being here, no one wants to see that. Everybody wants to see Aaron here. But if he's not here, the residual is Jordan Love, who did not get a chance last year, okay? No off-season program, uh, no preseason games, uh, three-week uh, training camp where they were basically getting their starters ready for the regular season. He had no last year. He really is in the infancy of his career. This is really his rookie season, believe it or not. It really is. And so, you know... I, you're going to see these ups and downs. We're going to have, we'll see what he looks like tomorrow. And then we'll go to training camp and see what he looks like as they go forward there. But, um, you know, everybody wants to see Aaron Rodgers back. There's no question about that. I consider Aaron Rodgers a friend. And, and Dan, if I could say anything to, to my friend, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I would say, Aaron, you know, look at um, people in organizations come and go. Okay. The people go, come and go. You guys as players, come and go. But you have a tremendous legacy here, a tremendously positive one. And, and I would hate to see it um, tainted uh, if there was a divorce, so to speak, the what, what we saw 12 years ago, uh, whatever it was in 2008 with Brett Favre. I would hate to see that 
as part of his legacy. Um, it's not going to tarnish it. I mean, his legacy is his legacy. But, you know, I'd hate to see that as a footnote to his legacy. Um, you know, I'd love to see him finish his career here. And I think most everybody feels that way. Oh, we're going to get that message out to Aaron Rodgers, too. Finally here, the roster, the 2021 roster, do you think going into this season here, you guys are better than you were a year ago? Because if you say yes, Wayne, I say this about Green Bay. I think you guys were a decision away and maybe a bad play in the back end of your defense going into the half when it came to the NFC Championship away from potentially hoisting up another Lombardi trophy. Well, don't get me wrong. Tampa Bay deserved the championship. Uh, Understood. They did it the hard way. Um, and, you know, if you took the Packers and the Buccaneers from last year, the talent level was fairly close, but I gave Tampa a slight edge in, in talent level. But were the Packers capable of winning that game in Green Bay? Yes, they were, especially if they had played to their character. And that is um, they were the best in the league, the fewest turnovers in the league. They had two in that game. They were the best in the red zone, 80%. No team has ever been better, 80% touchdowns in the red zone than the Packers were last year. I believe they were just two of five in the red zone against Tampa Bay. Um that they didn't play to their character, so to speak, and yet they were right in that ball game. There's no question about it. Um, they gave up big plays over the top. The Packers' defense during the regular season was one of the best in the league at fewest plays of 20 plus yards. They got ripped a couple of times at crucial points in that ball game against Tampa. So, um, in the draft, the Packers got better, uh, they really did. Um, you know, the Stokes kid, Eric Stokes, is going to be a fine player, cornerback. Um, uh, you know, I, I think the center they got from Ohio State, uh, Myers, Josh Myers, is they're plugging him in as the starter. And the kid looks the part so far. Now, they haven't put pads on yet, and you don't know about linemen until they put pads on. But that kid looks like he's going to be able to handle it. He athletically can, can handle the position. Um, mentally, they feel very good about him. So if he goes in and starts – in place of Corey Lindsley and has just plays uh, solid in the middle of that offensive line, that allows that line, once Bakhtiari gets back, with all the versatility they have, to still be a top-five line in the league. And then, you know, i, I got to tell you this, Amari Rogers kid out of Clemson, um, good-looking kid in the slot. Now, in these OTAs and minicamps, you can tell about how players move, especially on the perimeter of offenses and defenses. That's what you can really get a reading on. And this kid has a lot of fire to his game. I think he's going to add a lot. I thought the Packers got better in the draft. And uh, they certainly have a lot more competition in this camp than any camp I've seen in Green Bay in at least the last five years. I have to sneak this one in on you here about I – I want you to do one thing on the way out here for me. In 10 years from now, when Packer fans look back at the last 30 years where you've had Brett Favre and you've had Aaron Rodgers – who do you think Packer fans will revere more during that time when Green Bay had two of the greatest signal callers of all time? Who oh. would you say? Oh, gosh. Um, hard question to answer. And, and maybe I'm not the best person to answer that um, because, you know, I, I love them both. And <laughs> I know them both so well. Um, and and I, I will say this, Brett with the gunslinger, um, was just so much fun to watch. But the excellence of Aaron oh. Rodgers is similar to what we watched in golf with Tiger Woods when he was at the top of his game. Aaron Rodgers, the precision 
that he plays the game with, the ability he has, um, gosh, just off the charts. I have been so blessed in my career to have been around uh, those two quarterbacks and those two quarterbacks in Packers history. Um, take your pick, six of one, half dozen of the other. You can't, there's no wrong answer to that question. But, you know, again, I just hope Aaron Rodgers comes back and finishes his career with the Green Bay Packers and goes out on his terms because he certainly deserves it. And I know uh, that there's so many people here who feel that way about him. And, um, you know, his teammates, there's no question, they love him and they will welcome him back as soon as um, this issue gets resolved. And and I, for one, hope that all those people to say this can be resolved, I hope they're right. And I hope it does get resolved uh, by the end of July. Me too, man. I mean, 48 touchdowns, five picks. Yeah. You're never, ever going to see a touchdown interception ratio like that in NFL history ever again. This guy is completely off the charts. And I agree with Phil Sims there, Wayne. I think he's the greatest spinner of the football I've, I've ever seen, Wayne. He's yeah, you know, the, the only guy, Elway probably had a stronger yep. arm. Because I don't know if Elway, anybody ever had a stronger arm than John Elway. But of the quarterbacks I've watched over the years, including Montana, but the quarterbacks I've had a chance to really be around, there is no question Aaron Rodgers, the most gifted, talented uh, player, not just physically, Dan, but mentally. And, and really at that position, that's what it's all about. Because Tom Brady, whom I covered at Michigan when I was doing Big Ten games on ESPN Regional, um, you know, Tom Brady has never been as gifted as some of these other guys we're talking about. But where is he won? He's won because of the drive and determination, all the intangibles that it takes to be great at that position. And it's why we don't know, no matter how high you pick a quarterback in the draft, you don't know if he can play on this level. You don't know if he can win on this level until you actually get him under center in a real game. Absolutely. Wayne, thank you. Thank you so much for taking so much time with us. You always find time for me. Um, I love that legendary program that you have there. And I've, you know, I, I was one of the guys my rookie year. I went over in the end zone where Jethro Pugh and I kicked it. I laid on the I laid on Lambeau Field with the with the coils under there, heating me up and all that too. So I've had the privilege of being at that legendary cathedral, and you got a chance to call games from that legendary place. Thank you so much for doing this. All the best, Dan. Anytime. Hopefully, maybe we'll talk later in training camp with something. Yes. That Thank you cool. so much. Thank you, Wayne. My pleasure. You got it. That is the legendary Wayne Larrabee, the voice of the Green Bay Packers. I loved his message to Aaron Rodgers, too, by the way. All right, we'll take a brief time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. 
catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show with your boy Dan Stilio. Still to come, Houston Nutt, three-time Southeastern Conference Coach of the Year. We'll do that in hour two. Bam again, Clemson, Ohio State. Same characters again. College football needs an injection of some new blood. Okay? Now, look, I'm not suggesting in any way, okay, if these other programs, you try to rig the game here, what you need to do is you need to start getting into the game with these other coaches and what they're doing. You know, the one thing about the National Football League that is just every year you see it, if there's something that's a trend going on, what are the teams? Remember the old Wildcat? Teams started trying the Wildcat. Uh, when they started going to the run and shoot, when they started going to Miles Davis's type of offense, when they started looking at West Coast offense, or they went to the 46 defense, you know, everything becomes trendy in that league and people try it. Okay. And that's how that league stays pretty much competitive every single year. Now, do they rig the game a little? Yeah. If you're a sorry team, you get the top draft choices. You get the lesser of the schedule when it comes to strength schedule, giving you an opportunity to get back into the game. I love how the NFL does that. Not very many leagues do that. You know, the ping pong balls in the NBA, you're not guaranteed the number one overall selection in the draft if your team sucks out loud. How many times have we seen that go by the wayside? Teams that have just been bad forever. In the NFL, the chances of you being bad forever are slim because they rigged the game for you. But it's a trendy league. Things that are being tried in the league, everyone else is going to start doing the same thing. So, again, that's 
They need to start doing that in college football. What is Nick Saban? What is Dabble Sweeney at Clemson? And what is Ryan Day at Ohio State doing that we're not doing? You know, it's easy to just to go like this. Well, it's the guys that they're getting into the building. That's probably 75% of it. Well, why are those guys picking those programs over other programs? So we'll talk a little bit more of that when we get into the second hour here. All right. So you know what was funny? I posted something yesterday on my Twitter page, at Dan Celio Show. And it was about the Saints kicking tires in Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. What came out today? There was a public story that came out of the Saints camp that said, hey, these two guys, Tyson Hill and Jameis Winston, are battling it out. They're helping one another. And this is really going to be a very good competition when we get into the July camps. Well, who didn't think that that was not going to be going on anyway? It's like thanking me for not robbing a bank. You knew that these two guys were going to go and they were going to battle for the quarterback position. And quite frankly, if you don't know who your quarterback is right now on June 9th, you're not going to know who your quarterback is on July 27th. You're not going to know. Okay? And that means what? That means you're going to have a losing season. How many people think that the Saints are going to go out there and do what the Saints have done over the last 15 years with Sean Payton? There's a part of me that does say it because look what he did with Teddy Bridgewater. Look at what he's done with Tyson Hill. But you always had that fallback of Drew Brees. But you don't have that right now any longer. You don't have that signal caller that can throw you out of trouble. You know, I, I, I've told you this before, that there's very few quarterbacks in the NFL that can throw you out of trouble. And what does that exactly mean? Well, if you're down 21 points, do you think that Drew Brees could lead you back? Yes. If you're down 21 points with Tom Brady, can he lead you back? Yes. Rodgers, yes. Russell Wilson, yes. Patrick Mahomes, yes. Who else? Who else could do that? Kyler Murray? I don't know. Matthew Stafford? Has he ever? You know, Detroit, that resume is so convoluted. I don't know what to make of it. He threw for a lot of yards. Great. Okay. If, you, if you're a fantasy guy, you probably like Matthew Stafford. If you're a one-loss guy and you're a better, you probably don't. Because that guy hasn't won a lot of ball games. Putting up a lot of yards doesn't result traditionally in winning a lot of games. How many times have you seen Tom Brady throw for 185 yards in a game and win a Super Bowl, and then you turn around and watch him throw for 375 yards and lose one? That passing stat's the most overrated stat on the planet. I could care less if a quarterback's throwing for 500 yards. Yeah, it looks good for the dorks in the stands and the fantasy dudes on Friday night. But when it comes to winning ball games, it has nothing to do with it. I don't want my quarterback throwing the ball 48 times a game. I, I don't. I want him throwing the ball around 33 times a game, and I want to run the ball around 25 times a game. That's where I want to be. That's where I want my offense. And I want to be able to run that ball on first and second down. Hey, then you become predictable. Okay, well, stop me. You think they stop you in Tennessee? You don't think they? you know that the first and second down in a Tennessee offense coming at you running downhill is with Derrick Henry carrying the ball or with Ryan Tannehill? Okay? Think about that for a minute. 
sitting there telling me that, hey, I, I don't care about 30. You know, because again, the passing stat is so overrated. Now, my thoughts on Jameis Winston, this guy threw for 5,000 yards a couple years back, 30 touchdowns. This guy had a 30 for 30. You know what it was? 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. Never seen anything like that in NFL history. Just a turnover machine. I don't care. Watch this. The 30 for 30, it dilutes that 5,000 yards passing. Did we think not that Jameis Winston could throw the ball? Who didn't think that? I thought that. Did we question his decision-making? Okay, all the way back to crab legs at Florida State, right? <laughs> hey, okay, my Miami came out of me a little bit there. Okay, so I surrender that a little bit to you. But I, I look at Jameis Winston and I do this. I don't know. He's a better version. I mean, pick a quarterback that has gone out and put up some uh, fairly decent numbers. Okay, I don't know. You can go out there and take a look at him. Is he a little bit better than Jamarcus Russell? Probably. Jamarcus was a complete flop, and he's better than him, I would say. Okay, so Jamarcus is a three. Jameis is probably a five. I look at him and I go like this. I think he's okay. I don't think he's spectacular. Then I look at Tyson Hill. I think he's a gimmick. He's a better version of Tim Tebow. He's more athletic. That guy runs four fours. And when he was at BYU, he could play. That guy could play, man. All right? All right. So I don't think they have their guy in the quarterback room. All right. There's a quarterback that's now feeling empowered. He was just dealt in the offseason. I'll tell you who that guy is next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Scalia. And it was a fast hour one, huh? Love it. Bottom of the hour, we'll talk to three-time Southeastern Conference Coach of the Year, now works with CBS, our friend Houston Nutt. Get his thoughts on, you know, something has to change in college football. I don't know what it is. You know, is expansion really what's going to spark interest in other areas of the country? College football has become so regionalized. Okay, do you really think when we get to the Final Four and you see Clemson, Ohio State, and you see Alabama, and maybe some outlier team, you're hoping some team from the West Coast, and by the way, you're hoping it's not a way to go about, like, you know, you know, predicting whether or not the Pac-12 is going to be good or not. I mean, you, you've got to have more versatility in that Final Four. It can't be the same cast of characters, and it can't be the same conference. By the way, you know, some of you are out there going like this. I know my boy Krause's going, hey, Sills, I'd have all four SEC teams. You know what? You want to know this? So would I. Because here's the other rule. The SEC could actually have four of the best teams in the country, but get this. The committee's not going to put four because there's a rule. If you've got a rule, that precludes you from putting the best four teams, whether they're in Conference USA or Southeastern Conference or Pac-12, and you're precluding the best teams from playing in the championship, you're not putting the best people in the tournament. Think of that for a minute. You've And there's another part of that thing that just bugs the hell out of me. you got a committee that's sitting around trying to tell me what teams belong instead of teams that actually play themselves into it. A one-loss record, folks, should not matter on who plays for the title. If you're undefeated, you could be playing 12 tomato cans. I don't want to put a team in there that doesn't deserve it or because, get this, we need to get a team from the West Coast in. You defeat the purpose of putting the best product on the field. You know, when the NFL, to me, you know what I'm a fan of? Hey, give me the best 14 teams to make the postseason with the best records, okay? I don't care if it's you got more teams from the NFC or more teams from the AFC. Why is that? Well, that's because you get this. You get the best product. Do you really think it was in the league's best interest to put the stupid-ass Washington team thing in the postseason with a losing record? How did They're not one of the better teams in the NFL. You precluded teams that were really great from playing in the tournament because you had some dumbass rule that division champs have to actually play in the postseason. That's a rule? How about actually putting the best teams in? The fans want the best product. I want the best result. And if you put the best teams in, you're going to have weekends that are going to be sensational. 
that's why, look, to me, the best weekend in the NFL is usually the divisional rounds. Okay? Those are great weeks. Divisional and then the conference championships are usually great. The Super Bowl, it's getting better, but not always a great game, right? Not always a great game. But the divisional and the conference title games, those are fantastic weeks for the NFL. I love those weeks because those are the best teams traditionally in the game. College football, on the other hand, well, you can only have two teams from a particular conference go into the Final Four. Why? Because it's a rule? What kind of rule is that? So a team that deserves it, you keep out because there's a rule. Think of that for a minute. An SEC, and everyone be saying this, well, sales then, man, guess what? The SEC would put four teams in. Well, that's up to the Pac-12 then and Big Ten to get their you-know-what together. Okay? That makes you go out and recruit more. That makes you go out and say, we got to take those guys down. We need to start doing some of the things they're doing. Hey, Rome wasn't built in the day. The Southeastern Conference right now is like the Premier League in the soccer world. Okay? They have built their own world, and they got a picket fence around that world. All the rest of the leagues, the MLS, is so sorry. I, I get this. You know the MLS, that American Soccer League thing? I don't even know when their season is. I'm not sure I've ever seen a game. Have I watched a Premier League game? Absolutely. Why is that? Well, the best players on the planet play there. Okay, I'm not watching minor league soccer. I barely can stomach it as it is. Okay? I can barely stomach it, okay? But if I'm going to watch the best, I'm going to watch the best. I'm going to watch the Premier League. Why do you think NBC puts that baby on and not MLS? Think of that for a minute. They would rather air the Premier League than air our own, our own league here in this state. I mean, ESPN does it. And I, again, like I said, I don't even know when the hell it is. Okay, that's a league that's so far behind. Soccer will be the biggest sport in America one day. Never, never will soccer be the biggest sport in America, ever. But Sills, our team is getting better. We just beat Mexico. You just beat Mexico. Congratulations to you. You're now NC State. Okay. You know, hey, we beat Mexico. Really? Okay, well, that sounds like a nice stepping stone. Okay, so in NFL terms, do you know who Team USA is? They're the Jets. Well, no, they're a little better than the Jets. They're not quite um, Arizona. They're a little better than the Houston Texans. You know who they are? No, no they're, not the, they're not better than the Vikings. They're not better than the Bears. Hell, I'm trying to think of a team on who the Team USA soccer team is comparable to in the NFL. Who would they be compared to? Hmm. Not Tennessee. Tennessee's way better. Wow, I can't even think. There's nobody comparable to them. So I guess I have to go. Maybe Carolina. Congratulations, you're Carolina. <laughs> or you're the, you're the Dolphins. Whatever that gets you. Team USA. I, people are talking about, oh, they beat Mexico. You'll beat Brazil, beat France, beat England. Then we'll start talking about people really telling me how good that um, – that soccer program is coming along. Soccer, please give me a break. I know more women soccer players than I do men. I couldn't name you more than one. Let's move on here. Stupid. Thing will never go anywhere in America. And get this. The advertisers prove that. 
They're not, they're not sponsoring the MLS to the likes of what we see in the NFL and college football. MLS. <laughs> Let me know when the league plays. All right. So there was a player that came out and said something publicly. And I had not heard this player say anything publicly when he was at his former place. This guy's Jared Goff. And he's come out publicly now and said that I am feeling empowered by my coaches here in Detroit. Dan Campbell's a new head football coach. They made the move. Matt Stafford goes to the Rams. Jared Goff goes up with that contract of his to the Detroit Lions. Okay. I have never been a fan of the guy. However, his resume does speak to success. He does have an NFC championship ring on that resume. He has had more success than what Dak Prescott has had since he's been in the league as a starter. And since Sean McVay was in Los Angeles with him when they were together and he was throwing the football, he was just what happened to Jared Goff in, in Los Angeles. His highs were just too high. And his lows were just too low. There was this a giant swing in how he you looked at him from week to week. And it became like cancerous in how you were putting your game plan together. And do you know what it eventually did? It eventually wore Sean McVay out in Los Angeles. Because one week, you're watching this guy play, and you're like, this is the guy we drafted. Let's not forget something here. Jared Goff is the number one overall selection. We're not talking about some dude drafted in the 20th pick area in the first round. We're talking about the number one overall dude. This guy's got to, he's got to be better. Now, someone fires back at me and goes, Sills, he got to a Super Bowl. He's, you're right. You're right. But what drove me mad the same way it drove Sean mad was that he's, his, he, he was just too hot and cold, and it, it wore him out. Sean's a guy, and I've known Sean McVay since he was 10 years old. Okay, I know the McVay family a long time. And McVay is the kind of guy, he's a high-energy dude. He is a game plan strategist. He's sitting around today drawing new plays up figuring out how to beat defensive schemes. This guy's entire life and world is all about constructing a game plan on trying to beat some of the most complex defenses in the NFL. That's his world. You want to know something? That's been his world for the last 15 years. It's something that drives him. He's kind of crazy on it. He's a little weird doing it. But he's in his office always constructing these plays. It's remarkable. And when you don't have a guy that's executing what you're putting out there, and sometimes it's the simplest things, just getting back and not floating back in your seven, better feet, better communication with your players, being calmer in the pocket, drove them nuts. You saw it in the playoffs this last year. You saw him start some nobody guy over a healthy golf because he had completely lost the confidence in the guy and the guy's ability to be able to get this, keep his poise, 
I'm not suggesting to you that Jared Goff is a horrible quarterback. I'm not because his resume doesn't dictate that. You know, you can't look at his first year with Jeff Fisher. Let's take a look at the quarterback that Jeff Fisher has destroyed. Did he not have Nick Foles and Case Keenum in Los Angeles or, or uh, excuse me, in St. Louis? He cut both of them. He had Vince Young in Tennessee when he was the head coach there. You know Vince Young, Vince Young's record in Tennessee, I think it's like 31 and 19. I think he was a rookie of the year. Something like that when he was there. So when Jeff Fisher and people start talking to me, what a great coach Jeff Fisher, what was his record the last 10 years of his tenure there in Tennessee? Wasn't very good and it wasn't north of 500. This guy had a lot of 500 seasons and a lot of sub 500 years. You lived off that Super Bowl forever in Tennessee. So I never considered him a good head football coach. I consider him a hell of a defensive coordinator, but as a head football coach, I never looked at Jeff Fisher and went, that guy's really just a great. I mean, he's fantastic, this coach. That's not who he is. So when I, I, I look at that evaluation, you couldn't go there with that. But now he's talking, Jared Goff, that the coaches in Detroit are giving him the ability to be able to call his own plays. Now, I will say this. There's going to be potentially a situation in Los Angeles. Sean McVay likes to have complete control over the play calling. Okay, and Matthew Stafford had his way calling plays up in Detroit, right? When you put a game plan together for a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford is going to have pretty much more say when it comes to, um, you know, when it when it comes to the direction of the game plan because of the equity that he's built up in the locker room. Bottom line here, when you see that dynamic work out, hey, don't think that dynamic wasn't an issue in Tampa when it first got together with Bruce Arians and Tom. You know, we just had Wayne Larravee on with us in the last hour. There was a reason that the Buccaneers were 7-5 and five at one point last year. You know, Bruce Arians is a risk it, got to go for the biscuit, right? High turnover offense, the quarterback a year previous that we talked about, Jameis Winston at 30 interceptions. Bruce wants to chuck it down the field. Brady doesn't want to chuck it down the field. So those two dudes had to work together to be able to compromise. Brady likes throwing into the slot. That's why you saw Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and Amendola and all them dudes have big years because he liked to throw to the slot and where else? To the tight end over the top of the linebackers running down the seam. That, that's Brady's forte. He's not a plus 25 guy. The only time he was ever a plus 25 guy it's when he had Randy Moss in the building, and he never won a Super Bowl when he had Randy Moss in the building. However, that was the only time in Brady's career that they did anything like that. So Jared Goff now is probably going to have a better transition into Dan Campbell because Dan Campbell probably told him, hey, Jared, we're going to give you the keys to the car here, and you're going to drive this team any way you see fit. We're going to rely on you. You've won, okay? Even with the previous guy that was in here, Matthew Stafford didn't win as much as Jared Goff has. It's a fact. The resume says to it. I can't even remember the last time the Lions were in the postseason. I can't remember the last time the Lions had a 1,000-yard rusher. May have been Reggie Bush. I don't remember. So golf is going to get more of a transition that's going to be more seamless. Could that result in wins? 
Look, I can't say whether or not Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia or Dan Campbell in Detroit are going to be good coaches today on June 9th. Who in their right mind would say that? I don't know. You're talking to guys in helmets and shorts right now at minicamps. We're not talking about when the bullets are real here and we're going into exhibition games and we're going to get ready for a opening of a regular season in the National Football League. You know? I mean, that's a whole different conversation than sitting around watching guys run around and jumping through bags. Really? You're not going to, I'm not making that assessment here. I, you know, I keep hearing people call Dan Campbell the, you know, the WWE coach. I'm going to chew kneecaps, you know. I don't do all that stuff, you know, I, you know, like the John Gruden crap. I hate that John Gruden crap. Hey, uh, you know, the pirate in the quarterback schools and, you know, all that grabbed in, you know. John Gruden's got a couple wins above 500. I don't think he's that great a coach. Look at his record. Tell me where you see it. Oh, he won a Super Bowl. Okay, great. So did Dick Vermeil. You think that guy's better than Dick Vermeil? I don't. You, you think John Gruden's better than Dick Vermeil? I don't. Okay. This guy took Dungy's team to a Super Bowl and won it because he's a great play caller. After that, team eroded around him. I watched him. Gruden's overrated. Never thought that dude was a very good coach. But he's going to have, Jared Goff is going to have a way better transition than what Matthew Stafford. Because, again, like I said to you, Stafford did this. Sitting around, whoever the coach was. Matt Patricia, whomever, he, he probably picked out 15 or 20 plays that he wanted to go off the play sheet right away when it came to the first two drives. He probably hand-selected that. Sean's going to give him, this is our attack, and you're going to follow the game plan like a strategic military operation. And what we'll do is, if there's going to be audibles, you got to have audibles on it, right? Here's the audibles that you could choose from. So what... Sean's going to do, he's going to set the deck on Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's got to look at that and go like this. Am I cool with this? Am I going to run plays that I don't think can work? That's when you have some of the game taken away from you here. Now, if you're Stafford, you clearly have to start doing this. Well, what I've been doing in the past hasn't really worked. So do I listen to McVay? This could be one of those moments here where Stafford can do this. He's going to be one or the other here. He's either going to take the baton and listen to Sean McVay, who I happen to think is one of the best play callers and head coaches in the league, and listen to him, which will, in my opinion, put him back in a direction for Canton. Or Matthew Stafford is going to go the other way. Personally, I think Matthew Stafford is going to go into the way of, the, of Canton because he knows right now. You've got the team. You've got Stan Kroenke and the money. You've got everything behind you to make this thing a success. The only way this doesn't become a success is if the player fails this and is pig-headed and doesn't listen. All right. We're going to switch gears. College football is right around the corner, too. We got a big one. Miami and Alabama, dare I say, in the opener on Labor Day weekend. I know Krause's going, don't worry, Sills. I'll be kind to you that week. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. 
It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Celio. We are going to catch up. With our friend, three-time Southeastern Conference Coach of the Year, Houston Nutt, who's part of the CBS broadcast team that gives you college football each and every single weekend. And, you know, I got to say this about last year, 2020. I thought it was just remarkable that we were able to get to a national championship game and we were able to play as many games as we did. And you know what became apparent? was really the politics that started to get involved in college sports. You see, you were not going to have any of that stuff coming out of the White House or coming out of Congress that was going to affect the NFL because it's a privately owned business. But when you have college football, what is college football and who basically are on the board of directors? You could have a senator. You can have a congressman. You can have all the people that are there and I was just absolutely pleased that we got through 
the 2020 season. So, you know, I mean, it was really a testament that we were able to get to a national championship game. It was great to see the Southeastern Conference play all of their football games. It was great to see the ACC do it too. And, you know, you watch the Big 12 and how they handled themselves. You know, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 I had issues with, you know, when it came to wobbling back and forth on whether or not they were going to start it, whether or not they were going to finish it. But they ended up getting it to a finish line. It was so important too because many of these programs around the country – you got to remember something. The football and basketball program, they fuel other programs that are at these institutions like women's golf, women's tennis, men's crew, the things that potentially you don't think much of, but it was so important to get to a college football conclusion, and I was glad to see that in 2020. We bring our friend in, the three-time Southeastern Conference Coach of the Year who works with CBS Sports, our friend Houston Nutt. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How you? How about y'all? All good. We're getting ready for a another season here, and I can't wait. You know, Coach, one of the things I can't wait to see is the fans back in the stands. You know, I I didn't. You know, the NFL. I kind of it was. It, I kind of got used to it, but I never got used to it with the college game. Not seeing the kids in the stands there and seeing how much and how important that was. It's going to be great to see that get back to it. It really is. I, I you know talking to a a few guys this week uh, on the golf course. That's the one thing they always bring up. Boy, I can't wait to get these fans back in the stands, that enthusiasm, that passion. Uh, you're exactly right. Uh, and I know a lot of fans miss seeing their teams play live and in color. So looking forward to it. Coach, how much do you think – will we see any type of residual effects of what happened last year with COVID-19? or because And, and where I go with this is this. Coach, you had a routine. Jimmy Johnson, our coach, had a routine of getting players ready each and every single year. Do you think having gone through that pandemic, many of these coaches now, I wonder you know, how that's going to affect their preparation as they go forward as coaches having gone through that pandemic? You know, I, I hate to say, you never want to say there's a silver lining in everything, but boy, I got to tell you, man, you know, you're, you're talking to parents more. You're, you're preparing and you're dealing with your players and your coaches more. I'm just wondering how you looked at that if you were still in the game. You know, last year was so different, uncharted waters. And you're exactly right as far as the communication had to be at a very, very high level uh, because we went, we uh, coaches were experiencing something they've never experienced before. Players, uh, they were experiencing something they never experienced before, uh, getting tests and, and this protocol, this, these policies that all the schools put in, man, that was, that was uncharted water. It was different, very, very different. And so then you add the fact no, no people in the stands and, and just, boy, just everything was much, much different. But, but we made it. You made it through. I think that's the big thing. You made it through. And you got to give a lot of credit to the coaches, administrators, uh, the administrators and, and players. They, boy, they fought through it and did it. So to me, they're going to be much better prepared now. And uh, to me, it ought to be an attitude, hey, we, we can handle that. If we can handle a COVID year, we can handle anything. Coach, I want to get into some questions now. Before we get into some of the, the questions I have for the 2021 year, we had so many guys go into the first-round draft. Justin Fields of Ohio State, uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, from Clemson, Zach Wilson from BYU. And, you know, I mean, there's so many – Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Of all these guys, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not predicting asking you to predict their futures, but who do you like that was drafted in the first round that you saw at the college level? You went, that kid looks like he may be somebody pretty special. Well, I'd say I, I, I really like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, I thought he was special. I thought he was so accurate, a big, tall guy, and, and a lot faster than you than you think now. This guy can move. Uh, uh, and so I, I think he, he he's going to be very special. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson, the thing about him, I, I love, you know, I, I love his moxie. I love his attitude. He has this attitude of, hey, follow me. I know it's third and eight, but I'm going to get you nine. He has that confidence. And you can see where people will gravitate. His teammates will gravitate to this guy. I'm looking forward to see what he does. I like Zach Wilson. Justin Fields is an athlete. Uh, you know, he won a championship. Uh, he, he's, a you know, bigger than you think. A big guy, 220-plus. Uh, he, he's shown some accuracy as well, and he can move. I think nowadays the quarterbacks have to be able to move. You just can't be a statue. you got to be able to move. you got to be able to buy time to extend a play. And you got to have accuracy. So, to me, those quarterbacks are very, very, very good. And I think we're going to see some quarterbacks that were even not even in the first round. I, I think uh, you're going to see some of these quarterbacks come on because I, I, I thought there's this was a good year for quarterbacks when you look at from just the top 10, 15 of these guys that went out first, second, third, fourth round. These are some good quarterbacks now. Yeah, no, I think Kyle Trask, the guy that the Buccaneers got, coach. Yeah. I, I think he's going no to be a special kid. I think, you know, talking to Bruce Arians, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, he said, hey, this kid came in here. He's picked up the playbook. He understands what's going on. So I agree with you. All right, I want to get on Alabama here, Coach. You know, listen, follow me here. So they lose both of their wide receivers in the first round. They lose their quarterback in the first round. They lose Najee Harris in the first round. Hell, their offensive <laughs> coordinators now the head coach of Texas. They lost numerous guys in the O-line in the first round. How are they the number one preseason team going in to the 2021 year? Hey, Dan, don't you know that Nick Saban has this word that he can use better than anybody in, in college football in the world? And the word is next, next. <laughs> you know, we were talking about Tua Tonga Valoa and – we didn't know who Mac Jones was. And all of a sudden, Mac Jones has better numbers than Tua Tungvaloa. And so you got to give Nick the credit for the development, uh, his coaches, uh, the way they develop these young men, and they can say next. Now, he gets the best players each year. The bottom line, every time I look up, it's the number one recruiting class. And he's just got an extension. So they, they really do love him in Alabama. And I don't blame him because all he's done is produce, 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 and win, 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 and win big, big time. But, uh, no, to get back to your question, hey, we don't know who the next Devontae Smith or the Jalen Waddles. We don't know who the next one. We probably don't know their name right now, but I can promise you uh, they're going to have them out there that can run, they can catch, uh, because he always has the best players right now. You know, Coach, you, you mentioned that extension. It's going to take him until his 77th year. You know, I, I, I got to think right now when you're watching him and how he's taking that Alabama program to another level, and this may be blasphemy, me even saying this to you because you grew up in the era of Bear Bryant. H has he moved past Bear as the greatest college football coach? Because, again, looking at recruiting today, you know, I know Bear was hampered because the integration wasn't there in the 60s. He wasn't able to recruit everybody. 
and he was able to do a little bit more of that on the back end of his coaching career. So that may have hampered him winning even more potentially. Just wondering your perspective as you see those two men that were at that place. Well, both of them are special, special, no doubt about it. I got a special place in my heart for Coach Bear Bryant because that's where my father's from, where they grew up, his family in Fordyce, Arkansas. And so I took an official trip there. So uh, Mal Moore was the coach there, and uh, him and Lewis Campbell recruited me for Coach Bear, Bear Bryant. And so, you know, if you talk to fans, especially the, the older fans, they're going to always have Bear Bryant. He's the guy. And he's the man. But you got to look at what Coach Saban has done, and he's done it consistently. I've never seen a coach, Dan, that, that wins and immediately. He doesn't take that deep breath too long where you say, okay, I can relax. He doesn't do that. He takes about 24 to 48 hours, and it's on to the next thing. His foot is on the pedal, and it's on the floor. And when you look at recruiting, when you look at his staff, when you look at all of the things, the process that he calls it, I mean, it's just an A plus from top to bottom. So I don't, I don't see that's those are two great, great guys that will go down in history. Statues are already there, uh, you know, in Tuscaloosa. So I don't know. To me, they're the best of the best. Let's stay in that conference for a little bit here, LSU. How much pressure do you think that Ed Ogeron? You know what's crazy about this coach? You were in that conference. You were three time. Conference Coach of the Year. Here's a guy that just won a national championship a couple of years ago, put all those guys into the NFL, and now you're starting to hear people whistling in corners now that, hey, is Ed the guy in Baton Rouge? What says you? I want to tell you that that's the thing about when you win, and you win at a very high level, like Ed Orgeron did a great job with Joe Burrow and putting everything together from the staff and everything. What a run. I love watching them play. But guess what? That's in the rearview mirror. And so fans now say, hey, what's happening? We want the next one. We want the next national championship. That is gone. And that's the league that you're in. It's what have you done yesterday? And what have you done today? Because, we, hey, yeah, we feel good about that national championship trophy, but we didn't feel good about last year. And so that's the feeling. That's the talk that you're getting. They want to be back in that conversation of getting to the SEC championship game, winning that game. And when you win that game, you got a chance for a national title. So the bottom line is, oh, the pressure. The pressure is going to always be there on every coach except Nick Saban. (laughs) (laughs) A couple more questions. A couple more questions for you here, Coach. Is this the year of Jimbo Fisher? Well, it could be now. It could be. I'm anxious to see before I say that. I'd like to see who his quarterback's going to be. You know, Kellen Mond's not there. had a good career. Did some great things, but uh, he's uh, Jimbo's done a great job recruiting. He's in a, an excellent area for recruiting, and again, it's that balancing act of having the best linemen, the D line, O line, receivers. But who is the who's the point guard? Who is the quarterback? Who's going to be the guy to distribute and run that offense for Jimbo? I'm going to hesitate till I see who that guy is first. Coach, what's happened to Texas? You know, when I grew up. The Longhorns were always great. I mean, they got 53 guys on that 85-man scholarship roster that are five-star kids, and they can't seemingly at times. And I think think Tom Herman's a heck of a coach. I mean, now Steve Sarkeesian goes in there, and he's going to take his swings at this. Is it just the recruiting of the state coach where now SMU's good, Baylor's good, TCU's good? Is it just a different universe now for Texas? And they, you know, I say that, but then I look at 
the universe that Alabama lives in. They live in the toughest conference in the country, and they're still winning championships. So what, what's going on in Austin, in your opinion? Well, that's a great question because I'm like you, Dan. I grew up, you know, watching the Earl Campbell, and I was on the sideline as a true freshman watching Earl Campbell run over two of my teammates at University <laughs> of Arkansas. And so I know what you're saying. I'm used to having Texas in the conversation growing up of being a national title, title contender. But for whatever reason, the last 10 years or whatever it's been, you know, Texas hadn't even been in the playoffs. And so you expect that. You're Texas. And uh, you have uh, over 350 Division One college signees each and every year. Uh, so to me, it comes down to great evaluation because the state of Texas is so big and you got to do such a great job of recruiting. You got to evaluate right. But for some reason, it hadn't it hadn't gone the right way and there's no excuse. Texas is too good a program. It should be in the conversation, should be in the final four, should be talking about national championships. There's no doubt in my mind, but now you add the portal, you add that. I've been hearing coaches talk about now they spend most of the time in the portal, not the high school kids. It's the portal. It's the transfer. And when you look at Oklahoma, you look at how many times they've had a quarterback transfer into their program. Well, that's a whole new, that's free agency almost. And so you've got to do a great job with that recruiting, the portal part of it, and then the high school evaluation. But to me, Texas, that's still hook them horns. You're the best in Texas. You should be, but they haven't done it yet. Finally, Coach, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, were you shocked that they brought him back? Because, you know, I, I you know what's funny, Coach? I, I, I was going around telling people, you know, I, I know that, you know, Bo Schembechler had a 5-4-1 record in the 10-year war against Woody. But I don't remember Michigan winning national championships under Bo Schembechler. I think the most he ever finished was second one time in his entire career. Are the expectations just too high? Now, look, I know you've got to beat the guy up north. I, you've, you've got to. John Cooper was a heck of a coach, and he just couldn't get it done. Is that what it really just comes down to? Because if you look at outside of that Ohio State game, which I know you can't, um, he's he's kind of delivered on what Michigan really is. I mean, are the expectations just too high there? I think so. I think they are right now. And, again, that's that same conversation, Dan, that all the fans, hey, they want to be in that conversation, and you better beat the guys up north. You want to beat Ohio State. You want to – you want your team to be in that championship game and then the national championship game. They want all of that. But you're right. When you take that one game away, you know, uh, Harbaugh's a Michigan man played there. And so his roots are deep. But the bottom line is it's all about that win, especially against that rival, that rival. I learned a lot about a rival uh, at Arkansas and the SEC. You know, we kind of had to manufacture our rival at LSU, uh, the boot playing for the boot, and then now they're trying to make Missouri because of the border, the border war. And so I learned firsthand about a rival when I went to Ole Miss because the first year, Dan, no problem. Beat them 52 to nothing. We beat uh, Mississippi State nine out of ten times at Arkansas. But then the second year, <laughs> got beat, and we're still going to the Cotton Bowl. I never will forget going to get some feed for my horses, and the guy was usually a lot nicer, Dan. All of a sudden, he said, hey, Houston, make sure. Next year, you beat Mississippi State. I said, we won nine games. We're going to go play Mike Leach in the Cotton Bowl. Houston, 
make sure, <laughs> make sure you beat Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's all they want to talk about. It was Mississippi. So it's that rival, man. That is tough. And, and your fans are into those rivals, and you better beat your rival. You know, Coach, we had Stephen Jones on uh, two days ago. So I was coached by an Arkansas guy. I was actually coached by another Arkansas guy, Butch Davis. You're an Arkansas guy. Uh, uh, the Joneses are Arkansas guys. And I wonder what Frank Broyles must have been like back in the day. I mean, Barry Switzer was on that coaching staff yeah. back in the day. I mean, I showed a picture to every one of the coaching staff that Coach Broyles had. And all of you guys and the guys that won the 60 championship, I think it was 60. And they had mm-hmm. all those guys. You guys, without a doubt, man, that's a strong fraternity, isn't it? During playing during it, it, that time for Coach Broyles. It's very strong. And Coach Broyles, that 64 team's the team that you're talking about. And if you go back and look at the 64 team, Jim Williams, Jim Lindsay, Kenny Hatfield, Barry Switzer, Jerry Jones. If you go back and look at all these guys, Jerry Lamb, they're all they were all successful after football and they would always when I talked to whether it be Jerry Jones or Jim Lindsay they'd always bring up about coach Brules and the 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 message that he always sent you must win the fourth quarter when preparation meets opportunity we will be prepared you know he had all these little sayings you know and they all could just throw them out the one by one they all just just reiterated what coach Bulls uh did by leading these young men but man how successful they are even after college football is just it's unbelievable do you think it gets back ever to where it once was or was that just the southwest conference was just made for those programs because i'll tell you this coach i miss the southwest conference i miss the big eight i miss and i know we're in a money age today but if any program has been crippled by leaving a particular conference, do we agree Arkansas has really been like, it's great to be in the SEC, no question about it. I, mm-hmm. It's a great money machine. But don't you think like Nebraska leaving like the Big 8 and leaving the Big 12, going to the Big 10, it, they just don't seem to have the same shine they used to. Yeah, you know, I, I remember watching that Nebraska-Oklahoma game, uh, Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne. And watching these two great programs go after it each and every year. Unbelievable. Texas, Texas A&M game was big. And so I was in the middle of it right there as an assistant first when I worked for Jack Crow at Arkansas when we're just making the transition to the SEC. And Coach Brules, you know, he had such great vision. And far as money, it was, it was I mean, really a, a no-brainer. I mean, he probably did the right thing. And – the only thing I can say is, you know, during our 10 years now, we won three Western titles. And I, I think it can be done. I really do. I think it can be done. and But it, it's not easy. It is not easy at all. But I do miss some of those games that you're talking about. I grew up in the Southwest Conference. I do miss that. But um, it is what it is right now. Arkansas, Texas, Arkansas, OU. Yeah. Man, those yeah. games back in the day, baby. Them things. Ar- you be- hey, you better put your mouthpiece in. That's right. And two chin straps better be buckled. But uh, <laughs> Arkansas, Arkansas, Texas are playing this year. So Ooh, that's going to be okay. That's must-see television. Coach, thank you so <laughs> much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. You got it, man. That is Houston Nutt, three-time Southeastern Conference Coach of the Year. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. 
Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Trillio. Programming note, tomorrow, the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, Tom Telesco, will join us at 4.30 Eastern. And scheduled to join us tomorrow, Diamond Dallas Page, Hall of Fame WWE Wrestling Champion. We will talk with him. Tell you, I told you before, just like I told the birds before, man, get this. Big Sills gets wrestlers on this baby. You know, working on Goldberg and The Rock and all these dudes, man. Wrestlers and football players, come on, and football coaches. And, he, and you know what's crazy? Most of the guys that wrestled, they all have a football background. Steve Austin has a football background. 
and, and, and I tell people this, listen, after my seven year professional football career, wasn't an NFL career, had some NFL years in there, but I played in the NFL, the CFL, the arena league and the world league. So I played in four leagues to get those seven in for me. Okay. How many people could say they played seven years of professional football? Raise your hand. Not many out there, right? How you doing? And I had a chance to do all that and make, make no mistake about it. Okay. One of the funnest things I ever did love playing. So I get a call from a guy named Ole Anderson and Ole Anderson was running the old WCW back in the day. And I said, I don't know. And Steve McMichael and Bill Fralick were all living in Atlanta at the time. And they called me and Steve's struggling right now with Parkinson's disease. It's like, you know, I really love the guy. We had Tom Theron with us a couple of weeks ago and Tom, you know, sent him our love. And I got a great text back from Steve and I was really happy to be able to talk with him a little bit. He's just not doing well. He played on that legendary Chicago Bears team. And they're all like, you got to try this. You got to try this. Plus the money was sensational. So then I get a, I get a call. Okay. I get a call from my boy, Leon White. You know who Leon White was? He was big Van Vader. Julio, Vader. What's up, dog? He played with the Rams. And he goes, got to try this, man. And by the way, if you go on my Twitter page, you could see Road Warrior Animal followed me until his untimely death a couple months ago. He still, the family still follows me, man. And God, what a loss that was. I knew the Road Warriors really well. So Leon White goes, come on, Sills, let's go, man. Got to try this. I'm like this, wrestling, it's fake. It's fake. So I'm like, all right, I go up there. I never have in my life been hurt more. Those ropes that those guys run off of, man, man, there's a steel cable. I don't worry, you'll build up a calcium underneath your I'm like, man, I ain't building anything up under my arm. That thing hurt, man. You're you're sore. By the time you, you, you're you done working for a week, and I'm sitting in here, man, they're paying me like a 1000 bucks a week. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior was in at this time with me. We were all training. Such a sensational time. And then they sent me over to Europe, and I wrestled in Europe for a guy named uh, Otto Wants, and it was a fabulous time. I, I, I wrestled in Graz, Berlin, Frankfurt, we wrestled in Bonn. We wrestled all over Europe, and it was a fabulous time. Then they sent me to uh, Japan, and I wrestled for Antonio Noki. And we had a great time over there. I wrestled at the Jap uh, Japan Bowl or the Japan Dome. That's what it was, 65,000 fans. <laughs> hey, I played football in front of 100,000 fans, okay? But you got a helmet on. You know, you're under your helmet. Get other dudes out there with you. Man, when you're in your shorts and you're out there and it's 65,000 fans, you're like this. It's a little different out here, man. Tony Onoki was just fantastic. So my grandpa, this is how I got out of it. My grandpa goes like this to me. Is this what you're going to do for the rest of your life? God, I should have did it. I go, Dad, I'm making $15,000 a week. And he's like, eh, aren't you smarter than this? I'm like, he didn't want me to get beat up anymore. And I'll tell you, those three years that I did it, I, there's even a small record of me if you Google it. Uh, Bone Crusher Cilio was. 
Bone Crusher Cilio was my handle. The Bone Crusher. <laughs> Holy cow, man. Hey, I had never been more beat up in my life. I had never taken more Percocets or Percodans in my entire freaking life. It was just absolutely insane. So all these guys that we get on, the majority of them, um, all had great backgrounds in football or in some sport or another. Um, and they just took it to another level. Steve Austin and all them guys, man, all football backgrounds. Um, God, I want to say even uh, – well, we know The Rock had a background in football. Anyway, so Diamond Dallas Page will be on with us tomorrow. Hey, we're working on a very special – I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to say it. But we're working on a very special guy that someone – get this. I got a text this morning. From another head football coach, I won't tell you who it is because it'll give it away. And he set me up with this guy's number. He just gave it to me. He goes, all right, I talked to him. Don't abuse the number. He's waiting for your text and your call. It's like, okay. So we're waiting to see when we can get some time. I think it's going to make some people pretty happy. And maybe some radio stations not so happy. I don't. All right. Do want to say this here before we end up closing shop here on this edition of the National Football Show. So, how many people truly believe that Aaron Rodgers is just going to do this? It's going to take a bag of money, throw it into a trash can, and the amount of money is $35 million. And light it on fire and go, oh, I'm going to hold out. Is there anybody in their right mind that actually thinks that? That he's going to hold out and he's going to burn $35 million and say, you know, I'm not going to play because I have a problem with the general manager and I really don't like the dude. I don't know about you. If there's someone in the building and I couldn't stomach you, but you're paying me 35 million reasons to stay in the room and to be engaged and to try to win and do my best, I'm going to do it. That doesn't, don't you think Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, this is the difference between Rodgers and Brady. We now know this. Brady has great respect for Bill. But do we now realize, and am I, am I off base when I say this? Don't you think that there were times that Tom couldn't stomach the guy? And all of his BS, the same way Kawhi Leonard couldn't, take any longer. Greg Popovich is, hey, leave your heart at the door. Nobody wears their ego inside. Our, you know, after a while, dude, that stuff wears off people, you know, and wears them out. Eventually wears off and then wears you out, right? Don't you think Brady, but Brady was smart enough to go, nah, man. This guy here is going to help me get to the promised land and we're going to go out and win a championship. Right? But here's here's Aaron. Now, see, here's something else, too, though. You know, if Brady had a problem in New England, he could always go to his dad, Bob Kraft, the owner of the team. Dad, he's got Jimmy Garoppolo here. You know, Dad, I don't like Jimmy. He's better looking than me. He dates porn stars, which, by the way, was a dope G move. All right, hey, Garoppolo dates that porn star. That's a G. Okay, he seems cooler. Than he's actually, I don't know, I'm a nerd and he's cool. 
Hair looks great. That's because he's a paisan too, right? There's something about it. And get this, man. Jimmy Garoppolo's got Don Yee's agent. That's Tom Brady's agent. These two guys got the same guy. And he still wanted his ass out of here. And Garoppolo loves Brady. And he goes, he's talking behind my back. He wants me out of here because he's afraid I'm going to take his gig. Okay. So what did Tom do, though? I'll work with him, Bob. But we can't have any of this stuff where he's like, you know, behind the scenes here, he's backstabbing me. I can't have any of that. So they ended up getting rid of Garoppolo. Here's Aaron. Aaron doesn't have an owner that he can run to. You know, Wayne Lurvey in the first hour was talking that Mark Murphy, the president of the team and him, supposedly had a very good relationship. Well, it surely doesn't seem it when Mark Murphy's saying that Aaron Rodgers is dividing us. You know, so, you know, he's not at minicamp. Nobody thought he was going to be at the minicamps. And, I, 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 hey, I think he's going to, in the next five weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, we're going to really have this thing even come more to a head here in Green Bay. I mean, Jordan Love today was like, he was like unbelievably great. Yesterday sucked. Can't have that going. We just got through talking about Jared Goff. So, hey, again, don't forget tomorrow, the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, Tom Telesco, will join us. We will have Dallas Diamond Page with us tomorrow as well. We're on 4 to 6, right here, p.m. Eastern time on the Jacob Media Channel. You can catch us Monday through Friday here. Do me a favor. Please like and share the show. We'll catch you tomorrow. Only place you get your full fix of football is right here on the National Football Show. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.